Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, be not content with littleness. Thank you. Yeah, just this one thing that I wanted want to share with you. Several days ago, of a, a friend of mine, I was going through a lot of intensity, and a friend of mine just said, "Do you remember?" Do you see, do you feel your magnitude? Just just remember your magnitude. I said, yes. He said, remember. I said, but, but, remember. Okay. And then, yeah, it's just so simple. And then everything just fell away. I'm just so grateful for that strong, clear message that I'm carrying with me right now. Thank you so much, God, for this moment. Thank you so much. Okay. Snow glows white on the mountain tonight Not a footprint to be seen A kingdom of isolation And it looks like I'm the queen The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I tried Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good girl you always have to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know Well now they know Let it go, let it go Can't hold it back anymore Let it go, let it go Turn away and slam the door I don't care What they're going to say Let the storm rage on The cold never bothered me anyway It's funny how some distance Makes everything seem small And the fears that once controlled me can get to me at all It's time to see what I can do To test my limits and break through No right, no wrong, no rules for me I'm free Let it go, let it go with the wind and sky Let it go Let it go You'll never see me cry Here I stand And here I'll stay Let the storm rage on My power flurries through the air into the ground My soul is spiraling in 
angels all around And one thought crystallizes like an icy blast I'm never going back The past is in the past Let it go, let it go And I'll rise like the break of dawn Let it go Let it go, that perfect girl is gone. Here I'll stand in the light of day. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. just enjoying the the radiance of that song yeah I'm saying too it's quite uh, appropriate that song with uh, polar vortexes some of you are experiencing it in England or Midwest United States and that song is a re reminder of the magnitude of spirit that transcends extremes including extreme temperatures Minus 70 degrees wind chill is nothing to the spirit. Just like 110 degrees Fahrenheit is nothing. But we are here to, to go into that magnitude and to really give way to that. And, that. and that song, Let It Go, really is, you can, it's really letting go of fear. It's also, the past is in the past. You know, it's letting go of, of time and it's letting go of fear. And it's important to start to realize that time and fear are the same thing. At the ego made up linear time, the ego is fear, and you have to release yourself from this linear time construct in order to truly be free and have a free mind, to be have a free spirit, have a free soul. And that's the thing that we're doing all this mind training for. That's what requires discipline. It's the disciplining the mind to relinquish these beliefs in linear time. And even at the beginning of the workbook, Jesus says that here are some new time ideas for you. So he's replacing these linear constructs of the ego with a focus on the present moment, a focus on the holy instant. 
And we know now is the time. In fact, it's, uh, it's February 2nd, so the first thing I thought of was it's Groundhog's Day. <laughs> it's, it's time to escape that loop. Isn't that a famous movie for being stuck in the loop of time? Bill Murray. And it's also the day that This Moment Is Your Miracle releases on Groundhog's Day. I didn't even plan that. But I think the spirit, Jesus is having so much fun, just dawned on me this morning, releasing This Moment Is Your Miracle on Groundhog's Day, when Phil the weatherman is, is trying to escape uh, this crazy loop. Uh, to me, the, no coincidence. I didn't pick it, but it's part of a bigger plan. So actually it's out now. No more pre-ordering. It's actually, it's available. And what will it take for us to experience our magnitude? Well, we, we are told that the past is, is over and the future is but imagined. And these concerns, past and future, are but defenses against present change of focus. So we're at the point in this awakening where we have to start to realize when Ram Das wrote decades ago, Be Here Now. Anybody ever uh, remember that book? It's, it goes back a few decades. Be Here Now. When Eckhart Tolle published The Power of Now, when this moment is your miracle is coming out on Groundhog Day, uh, it's really pretty strong symbology from the, the spirit. We're back. I had a frozen moment, but the past is in the past. <laughs> so we're zooming in on the present moment, and um, I was actually reading through some of the questions, I think um, Esther was saying that, yeah, whenever she gets into this cause and effect stuff, um, that her mind is still a bit foggy, could, could you still clarify that? I think really, honestly, what we're doing is we are clarifying this cause and effect stuff, and Esther was saying that as much as we go over it, it's still a bit foggy. I had a student back uh, many, many years ago, who was working with me and living with me and and actually was getting into some of the deep teachings I had done on cause and effect from actually the 1990s. I started uh, sharing a lot of these deep teachings from the Course on cause and effect from in the 1990s and I, started, I had done sessions and at one point the student said, well, can, can I just go over these. And I said, here, I'll put them all together into one segment. And he said he listened to the segment, which was, took some time, but it basically he listened to it six times. Because he listened to the first time and he said, what was that? I, I, I don't know what that is. And then the second time, I don't get this. Third time, I don't get this. He's listening to the direct teachings, verbal teachings right out of my mouth that have been recorded and he's playing the recording over. Fourth time, I don't get it. Fifth time, I was starting to feel something. <laughs> and the sixth time, he started to be able to let some of this stuff in. So eventually I just said, well, maybe it's better that you uh, transcribe these talks 
because uh, if you're just getting it in an auditory way, maybe it's better if you if you listen to it and you read along and you follow with your eyes, <laughs> maybe that will help. Well, even with that, he said, this stuff is so deep. He said, there's something in my mind that doesn't want to get this. It would rather be foggy than understand this. And I know that sometimes they've done that with teachers where they record them and then they transcribe them and sometimes the transcripts look like gibberish. But actually these transcripts are, are very well. If any of you want to take a note right now, I'll tell you, uh, just Google my name, David Hoffmeister, and put reversing cause and effect. And you can come in contact with the audio and the transcript. But I'm telling you, you may, it may take you a year to go through this, uh, this brief audio and this uh, transcript because the mind is so resistant to these ideas about cause and effect. And the reason I'm bringing them up is, of course, uh, Esther asked for them. It was also mentioned in a couple other questions. And if we're going to really wake up from littleness to magnitude, you have to have a clear grasp about cause and effect before you can be a miracle worker and Number two, accept the atonement and wake up from this dream. You have to have a clear, very clear, concise experience of cause and effect. Some of you uh, may have a lot of false ideas of cause and effect in your mind. How many of you were interested at any time in your life in science? Anybody, any scientists, people enjoying science? Well, I'll tell you one thing, most of us were all raised with Newtonian science and Newtonian physics and it's off. It was off. We, we were poorly taught <laughs> in, our, in our classes. Even our scientific method, you know, which had studying the empirical world and, and looking at all the cause-effect relationships in terms of this world. Even physics, we were taught for every action there's, there's a reaction, you know, all of our chemistry we were taught, all of the things most of us were taught have the underlying belief that there's causes and effects in this world. And basically that's what Newtonian physics was about. It was about studying empirically, studying the world in all kinds of different ways and learning about these cause-effect relationships. Uh, and this touches every single discipline in the world. When you go to university and you study all those different disciplines, uh, you're studying cause-effect relationships is basically what, what they are. And I'm telling you right now, none of them are true. Even, let's say you're, you're maybe not so inclined into, uh, into the physical sciences and so forth, but like, let's say you're a homemaker and you like to bake. There's a lot of false cause-effect relationship in all of your recipes for that apple pie, for that lasagna, for those chocolate chip cookies. That's right, maybe even you're a homemaker and you like to bake and there's a lot of false cause-effect relationships in even baking because it involves temperature and texture, ingredients, mixing, and it, it involves interactions between various types of matter that comes out, hopefully, into a, a baked, 
product that's not too brown and burnt and not too raw and gooey. You know what I'm talking about. Even if you're not into engineering and vectors and, and stresses like that, from anywhere from homemaking to engineering, we have to get past this whole Newtonian idea that there's causes and effects in the world. So I know I've taught this a lot over the years, but I'm going to do it again because there's no way that you go from littleness to magnitude without getting your cause and effect straight. It's like you've got to know your A, B's and C's and D's. You've, you've, you've got to know your alphabet if you're going to learn grammar. If you want to learn trigonometry, you know, you better have your addition and subtraction down. And if you want to learn calculus, you better have your trigonometry down. You're going nowhere. There are building blocks. And just like in science and just like in mathematics, if you don't have your building blocks clear, then you're not going to be able to be a consistent miracle worker because miracles require a clarity of cause and effect. So, first of all, let me give you, I always talk about false cause-effect relationships and spurious cause-effect relationship. Let me give you a, an actual factual cause-effect relationship. You know, this is really the only one that you ever have to experience to be happy. If you can just get this one cause-effect relationship then you have returned to spirit, you have returned to divine creation, you have returned to eternity. And the basic cause and effect relationship is God is the cause, Christ is the effect. Okay, that's it. That's what Jesus meant by the Father and I are one. You know, there was two parts to the statement, the Father and I are one, the Creator and the creation. Christ is, is an effect of God. I am as God created me is a, is a beautiful statement of a perfect cause-effect relationship that's actually real and actually true. But there are so many religions, so many spiritualities that somehow think that God, love, divine love and light creates matter and matter doesn't come from spirit. We have to say that again. Matter doesn't come from spirit. Spirit creates like itself. Matter is too dense. Matter could never be spirit because it's absolutely too, too dense. Matter is changing. Spirit does not change. Spirit is changeless. You don't get the changing from the changeless. You don't get the finite from the eternal. You don't get spirit from matter. And so when you look at this world of perception of time and space and the whole cosmos, if you want to really understand magnitude, if you want to be of good cheer and overcome the world as Christ Jesus spoke, if you want to have no fear because love is all there is and you understand the true divine relationship of creation and love is all there is, then, then that's what magnitude really is. Now, in terms of this world, let me go back and talk about how the ego seemed to make this world. This world is the belief that cause and effect are separate. 
Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He never said, I and the Father are separate. He said, I and the Father are one. One. One spirit. One love. One. One, one, one. That's what creation is about. It's about oneness. It's not about division. And basically even saying things like, if, you, if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. Basically, if you understand the oneness of the Christ, then you understand the oneness of, of God. Because they are one, they're inseparable. You can't have one without the other. You know, Christ and God, Christ and God. You know, it's one, one, one. This is what it's all about. So the belief in separation was the belief that the, the creation or the Christ could leave the Creator. That's impossible. It's impossible for the creation to leave the Creator. But the belief that that's possible is the belief that effect can leave the cause. And if effect could leave the cause and make up its own identity, not be as God created it, but, but separate from God, that's what this whole time-space cosmos, that's what littleness is about. That's what individuality is about. That's what autonomy is about. It's all about the belief in separation. Separation, that the effect can leave the cause. And clearly that is not possible. Cause and effect are together. They have a, an eternal dance. You saw Lilo dance in there, wasn't that fun? Well, God and Christ have an eternal dance and there's nothing that ever interrupts that dance. That's a dance that never stops. Because it's a dance of oneness, of, of joy, of happiness, of eternity. It's an eternal dance of gratitude. There's, there is nothing else. That's all that is. When Byron Katie talks about loving what is, that's what is. I'm telling you right now what the is part is. This is it. Oneness. Oneness. And even when we have symbols like tr the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Jesus says in the Course that the, the levels of the Trinity do not conflict. In fact, he does say in the Course those are the only levels that do not conflict. Everything else was invented by the ego and conflicts. But the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's all just symbols. God, the Creator, Christ, the creation, and the Holy Spirit is like the bridge. If the Christ would, would forget the oneness, the Holy Spirit is like that part uh, that Lila was talking about. Remember. Remember your magnitude. Remember in The Lion King? Wasn't that a great point in the Lion King when Simba's lost and the little monkey Rafiki takes him over there and he's 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 kind of down on his his luck you know he's kind of like Simba's like uh, like he's blown it and Rafiki's trying to get through to him finally Rafiki bonks him on the head like a snap out of it bonk it takes a whack a whack from Rafiki and then shortly after that he takes Simba over, look into the water, and he's, you know, he says, look, look closer, because he just sees a reflection of Simba. And then that's when we see 
Mufasa, we, we see the father. And then remember in the heavens, remember, remember. Like that deep voice, remember. That's what this is all about, waking up to remember who you are. Remember that the creation can never leave the creator. It's ridiculous to think that the creation could leave the creator. Now let's take a look at the ego belief here, because this is what you have to face and escape to remember the truth. The ego is the belief that cause could leave, that effect could leave the cause, and that cause and effect are then split off. That's the first thing, that cause and effect can be split. That Christ could leave heaven is the first split. That's the fall from grace right there, the belief that Christ could leave heaven. And then the second tricky thing of the ego is then it, it made up a dream world and it turned cause and effect around. So it made it so it seems like the world is the cause of you. And every time you talk about your parents, your mom and your dad, you know, I was born on such and such a date, birth date, in such and such a city, in such and such a country, in time and space, all you're doing is reciting a story that's based on what? False cause and effect. That your origin started somewhere in time and space with mom and dad. Well, that's a story. God's not even in that story. That's a, that's a story of physical birth, of physical origin. And I'm telling you right now, you don't have a physical origin. You never did have. What a story. And then you reinforce it every year with the birthday. <laughs> oh boy. Just reinforce that story. Let's celebrate that physical origin over and over and over and again, you know. Wow, that's pretty sad, you know. You, you've got a, a belief in a physical origin that's apart from God, and then you're going to celebrate that. You know, some cultures don't do that. They actually, they mourn birth. <laughs> I'll let you in on the secret. They actually mourn birth because for them, that is not something that's a joyful thing. So the, the belief that you have a physical origin, the, the belief that there's a you that started out somewhere in time and space is part of a projection, a, a reflection of the belief that, that Christ can leave God and take on form. And there is no beginning. Birth is not a beginning and death is not an ending. These are part these are figments of imagination that have been made up by the ego to reinforce the belief in separation from God. So right from the get-go, that belief that there's an external origin in time and space is an error. And then, to top it off, the ego says, not only were you born in time and space, but you, now a body, are at the mercy of forces of time and space. You're at the mercy of tsunamis, at the mercy of weather conditions. You're at the mercy of, of war. You're at the mercy of disease. You're at the mercy of all types of external forces that are now outside of you. And you wonder why there's fear? That's a pretty fearful story. 
that you now have a physical origin and you're at the mercy of all these external economic forces, psychological forces of other people, other people with other minds and private thoughts and it's all outside of you and you're having to constantly interact with all these external forces, that's very fearful. That's very, very stressful story. And you have to begin to see that the root of that story is the belief that you could, as an effect of God, that you could leave the mind of God and take up residence in time and space, take up origin in time and space, take up existence in time and space. That's what this whole separation is about, is the belief that you have autonomous existence in time and space. Now, the solution to this is letting go of littleness. But as I was sharing yesterday, everything about this world of time and space is built on littleness. Every single molecule, every single electron, every quark is based on separation. Every aspect of time and space is a projection of the ego. So if you identify with any of the screen, with any of the mask, if you identify with the cloaking device that the ego has made up to keep you from knowing who you are, that will keep you in littleness. And let's try to bring it down more to human terms. Uh, there's a beautiful section in A Course in Miracles called The Hero of the Dream. And the hero of the dream is basically referring to the ethereal, Jesus calls it the serial adventures of the body. This character in time and space has now become a preoccupation. Once cause and effect are split off and cause and effect are reversed, then the obsession becomes with this little personality self that now has been built to take the place of your Christ self. Your true identity is the Christ idea that lives forever in the mind of God and this personality self, that's what persona means in Latin, that's the mask. You simply have taken on a mask and the serial adventures of the body have now become the hero of the dream. The hero is the one that gets all the attention. That's the one that is a false self that everyone's concerned with the, the comforts of that body, the conveniences of that body, the, the ongoing perpetuation of that body, the existence of that body, the skills of that body, the abilities of that body, the attractiveness of that body, the health of that body. It's a fixation. There's a total fixation on the the hero of the dream. And then you wonder why there's fear. Well, if you put all that investment into something that's made up by the ego, what would you expect if the ego itself is a fearful idea and you invest in that fear and you invest and you put so much time and energy and investment into that personality self as if it's you, then there's going to be fear in the mind. Maybe it's denied, maybe it's covered over, but ultimately that's why the personality self is so shaky. 
because it's like, it's not really a self. I would say if you had to pick a character off of a typewriter keyboard to represent the personality self, it would be the question mark. <laughs> You're the self, the personality self is a question mark. It's a doubt of who am I. Stephanie was in the theater and she comes out and she listens to the actors on, on the screen saying, who am I? Who are you? Where do you come from? And then you start to ponder, who am I? And Jesus is saying, the funny thing is, you're asking that question, who am I, all the time, and yet, you don't know the answer to that. And you can't know the answer to that as long as you identify with this slab of flesh, that this image that's a projection of the ego. As long as you identify with this hero of the dream, you can't know the answer. And yet, that in the truth, that's the only thing you can ever know is who you are. You, were, you are a creation of God, and the only thing that you can ever know, ever, is who you are. There's nothing else you can know but who you are. Everything that's been learned in time and space has been a cover-over of I am that I am. Everything. That's why when Jesus said, before Abraham was I am, they were ready to stone him for blasphemy, for, say, for how dare you say before Abraham was, I am. They thought he was insulting the, the, the Jewish, the Judeo religion. They thought he was, he was blaspheming against all of Judaism when he said, before Abraham was, I am. They're like, don't you know Abraham is our father? Jesus knew that Abraham was a projection and that God is the, is the creator, the spiritual creator. He, he wasn't insulting Judaism, he was just pointing out that it's not real. None of the past is real. The ego was quite insulted by before Abraham was, I am. So, what's important is, how does this relate to your forgiveness practice? Now, how does this relate to your day-to-day -day forgiveness practice? Well, I would say that if you go through that whole reversing cause and effect talk I gave many years ago and the transcript, you'll start to realize that everything that you think about in this world is based on false cause and effect ideas. If you're thinking about your career, you're thinking about the future. If you're thinking about the health of your body, you're thinking about the past or the future. If you're thinking about your income level, you're thinking about the past and the future. If you're thinking about how you're going to survive in time and space, you're thinking about the past and the future. If you're trying to solve the political problems of this world in your mind and saying who should be elected and who should be thrown out, you're thinking about the past and the future. If you're concerned about who the president is in any particular country, uh, you're thinking about the past and the future. You have to start to realize there's an addiction going on there and it's thinking about the past and future is the addiction that covers over this moment. 
that covers over the power of now, that covers, covers over your gateway to eternity, that the present moment is the closest approximation of eternity. That's what Jesus tells us, the present moment is the closest approximation of eternity. If you really want to forgive and wake up, you must come more and more into a, a desire for the holy instant, a desire for the present moment. And I'm telling you now, it's okay to let go of these past future thoughts. I used to be concerned about career many years ago. I actually did think about career, believe it or not. I thought about these things. <laughs> I thought about the future. I even, had, I even got a five-year degree in university on urban planning. I had a degree I spent five years with for planning. And even though now I see from Lesson 135 in the workbook of A Course in Miracles, a healed mind is relieved of the belief that it must plan. It all is handled through guidance. That's right, the planning is, is also a defense against the present moment. It's still tied into time, you might see, over and over. Now, what does it mean to let go of littleness and to accept your magnitude? What does it mean to step into magnitude? In terms of this world, you're probably saying, okay, I love all this stuff about God and, and Christ and heaven, but please give me something that does with time and space so I can work with it a little bit. Well, let's look at something called the dreamer of the dream versus the dream figure. If you are identified with the body, you are identified with the figure in the dream. Doesn't that make sense? If you are identified with and concerned about the body, you're concerned about the figure in the dream. And I would also say that if you're so concerned and obsessed about this personality self, this figure in the dream, you're not really aware that you're dreaming. If you were aware that you're dreaming, that would, that, whatever that figure did would be just laughable, because you would know it's just a dream. Merrily, 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 you would know that that figure was just a dream figure. But, if you forgive you come into a consistent experience that you are the dreamer of the dream. There's actually a line in A Course in Miracles in the text where Jesus says, the awareness of dreaming is the function of God's teachers. I'm going to say it again, because it's very important. The awareness of dreaming is the function of God's teachers. Even those other parts of the, of the text that say the only uh, function of the body is as a communication device, the sole function is a communication device, the only function of the body is to let the voice for God speak through it. But see that still gives the body a function, speaking. But what's beyond that is the true function of forgiveness is just the awareness of dreaming. That's why you're doing the mind training. Not that you'll become a great speaker, not that you'll become a prophet or some kind of mystic or some kind of saint, because those are all still figures in the dream. 
mystics are still figures in the dream. That's right, Lao Tzu, Jesus, Muji, David, Gandhi, all of them, dream figures. No different than these other dream figures. No different than the trillions and trillions of other dream figures. But actual waking up from the dream means that you have to train your mind. And what do I mean by train your mind? Release all these spurious cause-effect relationships of, of false cause and effect in the world. This idea that, that people can affect other people. This person harmed that person. What this person said offended that person. All these are false cause-effect relationships because persons don't do anything to persons. Persons are dream figures. They're false effects of a false cause. The ego made them up, made them all up. And then the spirit can use those symbols to take you back, what? Only to a point of seeing you're the dreamer of the dream. You cannot escape from a dream until you see, first of all, that you are the dreamer of the dream. Why? Because you have to come back to causation. The mind is causative. If you believe that there are certain foods that can harm you and kill you, you believe in false cause and effect. If you believe that there are certain conditions in the world that can harm you and kill you, that's false cause and effect. If you believe anything outside of you can harm you in any way, a word, an action, an event, a situation, a circumstance, if you believe there's anything external to your mind, you believe in false cause and effect. That's the only problem there is, is this ego belief that it's possible to separate from God and then to buy into the trickery of this ego world, ego time-space world, that there are really causes and effects. Even when Jesus was supposedly captured, turned into the authorities, and threatened by different ones, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the, the different people, that the mobs that were angry at Jesus. And even when Jesus was questioned by Pontius Pilate, Jesus knew, you can have no power over me. He, he wasn't even speaking to defend anything that was occurring because he knew he was not of time and space. He was the I amness. He wasn't bothered by threats. How do you threaten something that's not even in time and space? <laughs> that, he wasn't concerned in the least bit with any of it. With being taken to be the body to be hung on a cross. What's the big deal about that when there's no hero of the dream? When you are the I am that I am, when you are before time and space, when you are existing as perfect spirit at one with God, what concern would you have with anything in time and space? You know, right now with the world events going on, I was ta did my talk with Alan Cohen, we were talking about keeping your spiritual awareness when the world events are cuckoo. But 
Jesus, the reason Jesus was so peaceful is because he couldn't even see cuckoo events. He, he saw the unreality of the world. And that's why he said, be of good cheer for I have overcome the world because was Jesus political? No, Jesus wasn't taking a stand for Galilee. He wasn't taking a stand for, for the Jews. He wasn't taking a stand against Rome. Uh, a lot of the, the Jewish uh, people that, that he lived with around him hoped that he would take a stance against Rome, but he didn't. He wasn't against anything of this world. Why? Because he knew the world wasn't real. Why would you take a stance against something if you know it doesn't even exist? That's why he was so peaceful. He was living in grace. He was living in divine spirit. And, and he's a perfect example of what he's guiding us to with the Course in Miracles. He's basically saying like Morpheus, you know, told Neo in The Matrix, you need to unplug. You know, and, and oh boy did he unplug <laughs> from, from the matrix. That's the only way that you know that you are the one, is to unplug from these false cause-effect ideas. Let's face it, you were never born and you will never die. Now that's a true statement. You know, let's face the fact of that. And then, where are your fears when you realize you, you come to that place that you're dreaming? Suddenly your fears disappear. Suddenly you're not at the mercy of all these external forces. Suddenly you see that you made it up. Some of you are doing the workbook lessons of A Course in Miracles starting on January 1st. What was that lesson yesterday? Anybody remember that lesson from yesterday? I have invented the world I see. Wow, that's a big step towards I am the dreamer of the dream. If I have invented the world I see, I think if I made it, I probably could unmake it, don't you think? If I had the power to make it up, I certainly have the power to unmake it. If I had the power to wish it into a seeming existence, wouldn't I have the same power to unwish it? Don't you love those fairy tales where they, they go, oh, they go through the whole thing and they go, you mean I had the power all along and I had the power to unwish this? If you have a wish for forgiveness, I'll guarantee you have a wish to un unwish the ego. Because that's what forgiveness is, it's unwishing the ego. I wish I, I wish I may, I wish I might. See no ego in my sight. Ooh, wow! Try that one on. When you're concerned about your finances, when you're concerned about your health, when you're concerned about your career, I wish I may, I wish I might see no ego in my sight. I wish I might have that speck, you know, taken out from, from my eye. Before you try to get the, the, the speck out of your brother's eye, Jesus said, get the beam or the log out of your own. 
What do you think that log is? It's the ego. Jesus was talking 2,000 years ago about getting that ego out of your sight and let thine eye be single. Ooh. Even in A Course in Miracles, when it was first being transcribed and put down, the word that they used for the Holy Spirit at the beginning was the spiritual eye. Isn't that nice? Spiritual eye. Not plural. Eyes. The spiritual eye. Let thine eye be single. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's a single, unified perception of the world where there's no judgment. Nothing's good or bad or right or wrong. It's just unified. It's holistic. It's beautiful. So, this is where the practicality comes in. Now, you, uh, some of you have written in, like, it's so hard, uh, it's hard to practice this. That's one of the biggest things I get. Charlotte, 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 we should talk. Charlotte is, uh, I'm going to read a little bit about what Charlotte wrote in. Because Charlotte's really sincere about waking up here. She's very sincere about this. This is very important to her. She said, ever since I was guided to purchase a couple copies of your new book, This Moment is Your Miracle, and to sign up for this online retreat some weeks ago, I have been contemplating, inquiring, and struggling with the concept of magnitude. What does Jesus truly mean by urging me not to be content with littleness? And how does this apply to my life at this moment? See how practical that is. That's, that is a very, very, very practical question. How am I compromising? Maybe I, I don't even know it, but I'm asking to be shown. How am I compromising? Well, true magnitude surely has nothing to do with arrogance or delusions or grandeur, as the ego would have me believe. However, to the ego can feel arrogant and delusional to step out of its dark shadows into clarity, and as a result to be very, very clear as to what I feel inspired to do and not to do anymore. I have received some explicit guidance over the past weeks in a couple of situations and accordingly acted totally unlike my character would have normally done. In those moments it felt absolutely exhilarating and liberating to step out of the comfort zone of littleness and to take back my power by following the lead of the Spirit. I am very grateful for the feeling Yes, the magnitude and power of spirit so plainly within me, working its way through me to awaken me from the dream of littleness. Yet, I must say that the ego whiplash after such a powerful experience can be quite disturbing at times. A lot of guilt arises then, reminding me why I chose the seeming safety, in quotes, of littleness before. I would love to hear some advice and comfort regarding those whiplashes. What I feel is already helping me is to remind myself that I am dreaming and that I should not give anything in this world the status of reality. And that's exactly what I'm talking about this morning. 
not giving anything in this world the status of reality. Because when you start to unplug from the ego, the ego is not going to be pleased. The ego is like a, like a, a slave driver and it wants your mind and it actually knows that in, even to seem to exist it needs the power of your mind believing in it for it to even have any seeming existence or seeming power. At one point in the Course in Miracles, Jesus said, you made the ego by believing it, and you can dispel it by withdrawing your belief from it. Now that is, is the answer, Charlotte, and that for all of you who are really asking, how am I going to escape from this littleness and step into magnitude, you have to withdraw your belief in the ego. You have to withdraw your loyalty away from the ego. All of you have the power of faith. All of you have the power of trust. All of you have the power of prayer. But as long as you keep that power invested in the ego belief system, you will seem to suffer the consequences of believing in something that's not true. The ego is a death wish. And if you believe in the ego, that's why Jesus said in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. Not as a punishment, it's just saying, if you give your holy mind over to such a crazy death wish, what would you expect to come of having that much faith and trust into, in a death wish? That's why the body seems to die, and if you believe you're the body, you seem to die with it. Just by belief, not in reality but just by belief. So, let's, let's go back. Charlotte, you, we'll put you back on the screen here because um, I really feel you've got some real sincere questions. Because you're asking the question, what do I do when I have these exhilarating experiences, when I give myself over to spirit, and then there's this ego whiplash or ego backlash that comes. And, and I really feel like that is the reason why we're having these online retreats. Why, why do we have spiritual centers in, in different parts of the world? Why do we work in terms of communities or in terms of mighty companions? Why do we emphasize so much nurturing and support in that when you have an ego whiplash or an ego backlash, the most important thing is, is to realize that this is a, just a temptation. This has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with you choosing the miracle. It's, it's simply this attempt to draw your mind back to the darkness. It's an attempt to distract your mind to believe in, in darkness. And it can be somewhat difficult, emotionally it can be difficult, but also if there's, if your mind and the ego call forth witnesses around you, I call them doubt thoughts. And if you're trying to be vigilant for God and God's kingdom, and you're suddenly surrounded by doubt thoughts, uh, it can seem a little bit difficult. That's part of the whiplash. 
it's all it's all happening in our minds, even though we would be tempted to believe, oh, why are these people trying to sway me back when I'm I'm taking my my stand for expanding, for growing and expanding spiritually? Why are these characters uh, telling me, be careful, beware? You know, they're why are these doubt thoughts there? So this is why it takes a lot of faith to continue on, and it's also why, like, I'm broadcasting to you right now from a studio that's filled with people, these dream characters, I love these characters around me, all these characters, because they're just symbols of devotion to forgiveness and to waking up. That's their profession. We have. Lilo sings this spectacular song, and she's she's there behind the camera and working the the the, the electronics. <laughs> you know, we've got a whole room full of them all doing that. But it's because their focus is how can I serve? How can I serve the plan? How can I extend these glorious ideas so that I may strengthen them in my own awareness, not for a personal reason, not for a personal gain. Nobody in this room is here because they have huge salaries and perks. <laughs> How many people have yachts? No, I don't see. Nobody <laughs> in here has yachts. You know, it's, they're, they're here for another reason. They're here because of the calling of the heart. And so, yeah, I, I want to, to, maybe we can unmute Charlotte so we can really communicate and share here. <laughs> Is this, are you hearing, are you hearing the answer <laughs> to, to your question? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, I'm here myself, even. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Echoing everything that, yes. Um, oh, um. Well, um, yes, I'm very, very touched that this is happening right now. Um, oh, wow, I've got so much going on. Um, oh, oh, dear. Yeah, the, the thing that comes to my mind is that um, I, I couldn't attend the session last night because I was crying all the time. <laughs> Um, because I suddenly realized and spirit had just taken me to places and to situations to show me what is really going on. And I feel I can listen to it and I just do it. I just go somewhere where I think, I don't know why, why I have to go there, but I just do it. And I realized the reason why I've been afraid all my life and I've felt so much fear is because I made the re world real and I thought that the world is real and that God is gone, that he doesn't exist and that I lost the one thing that I truly love and that the one thing that is precious to me and that I have to settle for less. And I tried every time to settle for less for, you know, everything that I looked around, okay, maybe a career, maybe a study, maybe a house. <laughs> And I, I tried, but I just couldn't put my heart into it. And I, I didn't get why, how can, how can this be enough? But I really believed 
that that I had nothing else. And I, then this morning I put on a replay and then Eric was singing. I think I believed I lost, I lost the love. And I was like, this is exactly why I'm, why I'm trying to compromise all the time because I really believed and sometimes I still believe that it's not real. That this, what you're talking about, what everything, what Living Miracles is showing and telling. I thought there's a doubt, but this is real. <laughs> realer more real than the things that i see with my eyes yeah. and that is that is and this is so yeah i still cannot believe like cannot quite receive that this is real <laughs> that something yeah. that i want most and i've always wanted most in my entire life but that is that does really exists and it is for me yeah 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 that's it yeah. When you say, I forgot God, that's, that, that's just a case of, a very deep case of amnesia. And that is the whole amnesia of the human race. The entire human race is, yeah. is an amnesia of forgetting God. And some of the human race say, oh, I believe in God. And some of the human race say, no, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And some of the human race say, I'm agnostic. I believe in knowledge, but I don't believe in God. But it's all an amnesia, complete forgetting of, of divine love, of God. And that's quite apparent. So now, you have to think of it as we're on, that was amnesia. Now we're playing a game of called reverse amnesia. So you and I are on this adventure now called reverse amnesia, where we're going to help each other forget the world and remember God. And what does that even mean? That means that you have permission to have beautiful mystical experiences where you lose awareness of the body. You have permission now to let go of the concerns of time, of, of the future. What will my future be? Where will I end up? How is this going to look? How will I survive? All those crazy uh, doubt thoughts, you have permission to forget them. So it's really, it all comes down to the remembering and the forgetting. But instead of forgetting God and remembering, believing in this world, now we're going to reverse amnesia. We're going to forget the world. And, and it's so beautiful to know that it, it's safe. It's safe for that to happen. You know, I'm surrounded by people that on and off, different ones kind of go, sometimes have their mystical experiences where they're not very functional at all when they go into their mystical experience. They don't really have a care or an acknowledgement of, of the body or the world. Uh, they just have a little look in their eye, kind of like, is this all right? Yeah, it's all right. You're just having your reverse amnesia experiences now and things are flipping around where, where the things of the world aren't, of time and space aren't so important anymore. And, and it's good to acknowledge that, you know. I, I find that that's been my joy over these last few decades is I have progressively cared less and less and less about this world and cared more and more and more and more about my connection with God. And, and that connection is a connection that cannot be broken. It can be blocked in awareness, but it can't be broken. So you just need to know that, that 
that you're on the right track and that we're, we're joined together in this uh, same purpose. And you can relax, you can relax into that. You're in the tractor beam. The light of heaven is, is come across you now and, and you're in the beam. And so, you know, the ego is quite afraid of that beam, but you're just like, beam me up. <laughs> it's, the, it's the way it goes. Beam me up, God. So thank you. Thank you for writing. Even though you cried and you couldn't be on the first session, your transmission got through. <laughs> and, and I read it out for everybody to hear and everybody to be blessed by. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Now we can start to apply this reverse amnesia to any topic that you want. Like maybe you're concerned about food and diet. Maybe you're concerned about exercise. Maybe you're concerned about your income. Maybe you're concerned about uh, the environment. Um, it doesn't really matter. It, you know, it doesn't really matter what the issues are, but they're all getting caught up in the tractor beam. Uh, and I will guarantee you, as you get more and more focused at being a miracle worker and just being of service to spirit, when you're in that use me spirit, you use me, that's the prayer of the heart, then you will start noticing that these concerns and worries that you had, these anxieties that you were so concerned about, you're going to start to notice them fading away because they, they aren't part of the tractor beam. These worries and concerns are, are trying to tell you, stay away from that tractor beam. Don't, don't go near that tractor beam of love. But actually, your heart is saying, oh, take me up. You know, take me up. I surrender. Uh, Jackie used the word last night, yield. This is the time to yield. This is, that's like a prayer of your heart. I yield to the light. I yield to the light of love within me. That it may radiate in me and through me. That it may radiate everywhere. That there is no spot of darkness that can stand this light. And, and also, as Charlotte was saying, you know, you, as, you, as this happens, there may be you may be pulled out of some ego comfort zones. They really aren't comfort zones at all. They're little dark spots of fear that, that you have previously associated with. And now you're saying, I don't want to associate with that fear anymore. I am worth this wake-up call. I do not have to, to try to hide in the darkness. I will not hide behind littleness any longer. I will accept my calling because, because only God's plan for salvation will work, which is you accepting your magnitude. Of course that has to be God's plan, you accepting your magnitude. In the Course it says, you know, God knows the creation and, and it seems like there was something that was was blocked, and of course that would be the only reason for the Holy Spirit, it would be an answer to that seeming blockage. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. In the Bible, Jesus says, when I go away, I will send 
you a comforter. I will send you the link back to God. I will send you the same voice that I followed, so you can follow it too. I will send you the bridge, the bridge back to the remembrance of who you are, to that magnitude. So in, in, in heaven, the Holy Spirit is an eternal creation. But in terms of this world, it seems to be a voice in the darkness. It seems to be a voice in a darkened mind that is saying, follow me, come this way, come inside and I will show you the way to the love and the light. And I'm just giving you the practical aspects of beginning to question and doubt all beliefs in causation of this world. Don't think that drugs are causative. Don't think that weather is causative. Don't think that foods are causative. Don't think that behaviors are causative. Don't think that, that there's a force called gravity that, that causes something. Don't think that those electromagnetic waves or the radiation from the sun in the world is causative. All of these conditions and diagnosis and seeming sicknesses that involve the body are all just part of the false causation. But there has to be a point where you start to realize why would a loving God have anything to do with radiation? Why would a loving God have anything to do with, with disease or illness or viruses or contamination? Why would a loving God have anything to do with destruction? It's absurd. It's absurd to believe that. And, and yet, if we believe that it has a reality for us, if we believe it has a reality for us as a person, it's just what Jesus said, what you believe you make true for you. Not true in reality, not true in heaven, but, but you make it like a mesmerism. You make up a, a world in which characters seem to, to come to life and take on reality and act out what you believe. The characters are just acting out the beliefs. They aren't real. They're dream figures. They're just meant to act out beliefs. And if you withdraw your mind from those beliefs, you free your mind from all those characters, including the character that seems to be your hero, the me, the little personality self. It's just being imprisoned by a belief in the mind. It's not truly who you are. It never was who you are, but it's just, it, it is the way the world is set up, it will just act out everything that you believe in your consciousness. If you believe in lack, you will have this character acting out that. If you believe in victimization, you'll have that character in, a, in some kind of a, a victim-victimizer script. But it's your mind that's interpreting that. It's not that it's actually happening. It's just, it's just a motion picture of your beliefs. And that forgiveness just gives you the out, the escape from those crazy beliefs and those crazy thoughts. So anyway, that's my spiel for this morning. I'm, I'm ready to open it up and, and have wonderful holy encounters with you now. <laughs> if, 
if any of you are still believing in this mesmerism, let's have a, a, a sane conversation here. Let's, let's have a sane conversation because I just want you to experience happiness and joy, that's all. And I'm your lifelong mighty companion in this. You drew me in and you're not going to get rid of me until you, you become so ecstatically happy that the whole world disappears. Then that's the time to we just let go of those kind of uh, dream characters as well. You know, if you're the living Christ, then you're not dependent on on anything, and, and so we're here to, to, to rejoice in the fact of it, that you're the living Christ. That there's only one of us here, isn't that lovely? There's only one of us here. It's so precious. <laughs> so, Jeff, if anybody has their hand up and they want to enjoy and hop in on this uh, conversation, that would be delightful. Okay. We have some hands. First up is uh, Ms. Teresa. Go ahead. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I seem to remember, and maybe this isn't uh, accurate remembrance, in the Bible somewhere it said that Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem and wept. And I'm just wondering, did that happen and why? And sometimes I feel like Maybe I have a little better handle than I used to about this being a dream. But the people around me don't, and I feel I can see that they aren't really hurt by what's happening, but they don't know that. And then I get tripped up and I get re-caught up in it. And I'm just kind of wondering what I'm missing with that. And also, let's pretend I had a virus and I... Um, didn't let it get a handle on me, and I was okay to function even though I still had symptoms. Do I have a responsibility to still stay home because everyone else I'm around could catch it because they're not there? I mean, I'm just this might sound silly, but I'm just trying to figure out how much do I actually not what ah, am I making sense? <laughs> so, I it might yeah. be a goofy question, but I just um, those things have been on my mind. Thank yeah. you, yeah. Well. The first, well, there's two questions there, one about catching viruses and the other one about Jesus weeping. But let's go with the Jesus weeping question first. You know, according to the, the story, everyone knows that, you know, Jesus, the, the babe born in, in Bethlehem and so on and so forth. But a lot of people are pretty familiar, too, with that uh, story when, when uh, Mary and Joseph take him to the temple in Jerusalem when he's 12 years old. And you can imagine a 12-year-old, he's not even a teenager yet, as maybe they're approaching Jerusalem and he's already this being that's waking up and he hasn't quite reached the full awareness of himself as the Christ, but he's 12 years old, give him, give him a break. He's 12 years old and he pulls over to the side and he looks down and sees Jerusalem and he kind of feels this sadness come over him like, this need not be. I, why are we toiling and struggling and seeming to suffer when there's something inside of him knows that this need not be? He hasn't fully accepted what that is, that Christ self inside of him. But let's say at 12 years old, he looks down at Jerusalem and little 12-year-old Jesus cries because he's thinking, he's just feeling a bit of sadness uh, 
at, uh, at the whole thing, you know, killing animals, burning animals, sacrificing to God, the typical things that are going on even in the temple uh, that he later on would throw some, throw some cages over and knock some benches over when he was in his, his 30s. But let's, let's take another scenario. Now Jesus comes back and he's, um, he's coming back with the apostles and now he's like, we'll say in the world's terms, he's like, we'll say he's about 30, 33 years old and he sits down on a rock and he looks down at Jerusalem and he puts his hands on his knee and, and the apostles see a tear coming down Jesus' cheek. But little does anyone know, it's a tear of joy. He is in such prayer and meditation and such connection with God that he knows as he looks over Jerusalem that such a scene could never be true. And the joy of that connection to God, Abba Father, is so strong that a tear of joy rolls down his cheek because he's so grateful that the truth is true and only the truth is true. So that's two different versions. Both of them have tears, but it gives you a context for seeing that you're the dreamer of the dream and that the dream can cause, cause nothing to anyone because the dream isn't true. And he's aware of the truth of his very being, the truth of our very being uh, as the Christ, which brings great joy. And scientists have even studied now, they've studied tears and the molecular structure of tears, and tears of joy are very different in molecular structure than tears of sadness. Even in science we see the right mind tears <laughs> look one way and the wrong mind tears look another. So we really have to come back to what is our state of mind and that's it. Now the second question about, um, you know, even if I'm just showing symptoms and everything, well the core belief is again one of causation. Um, germs don't cause anything. Uh, uh, diseases are, are not passed uh, through germs. Uh, they're not, sickness is not passed through heredity, through DNA. You know, I know I'm undoing most of everything that the world believes in the world, but the, none of this is real. There is no hereditary disease. There is no disease catching, catching germs because it's a projection. It's all a projection. It's just thoughts in the mind. And, and there's a beautiful line in the workbook of the Course, it says, I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts. If I'm holding on to thoughts of separation, attack thoughts, that's where the virus is. The virus is not in time and space. The, the virus is those attack thoughts in the mind. The grievance in the mind is the dis-ease, is the unease of the mind. And of course, atonement or the miracle corrects those, basically shows that those are impossible because God didn't create attack thoughts and God doesn't create grievances and that's what the atonement shows. Be of good cheer, uh, there is no reason for, for the belief in harm, in the belief in attack, the belief in destruction, whether it be war or it be uh, even viruses and even uh, 
viruses that seem to be catchable. None of those are real. They're all part of a make-believe uh, thought system. And that's what you're really going for. You're going for the clarity of mind. So thank you. Okay, thanks. Up next is um, oh, Roberto Gainsley. Go ahead, Roberto. Hi, everybody. Hello. Good to see you all. Just, uh, Jeff uh, will be here next week uh, in Sao Paulo, and we are going to do a couple of seminars here with Christian in Brazil, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, the reason I, I am, uh, I, I raise my hand, uh, 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 David, is that um, I'm not for your ego that I'm, I'm mentioning this, but in reality, you can see on the chatting and, and also people that, that, that there's no news since so many years. You, you had such a clarity before. Uh, but uh, we work, and, and you know, I work with the Holy Spirit every day, very hard <laughs> to let it go. And, and uh, it is amazing how can you, and it's feel like that this morning, just launch us uh, into truth. Uh, that's what I feel, and I feel so grateful to, to be part of this community and to be, you know, together and close to you and all to the Living Miracles community. And your spill this morning was overwhelming. I, I was uh, directly launched into uh, the one mind. So I thank you so much. <laughs> I know that I'm talking not just for me, but for many people here today. Thank you. Thank you, Roberto. We love you. Your smile says it all. You're beaming out to the whole sonship. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, the next hand is uh, Esther. Go ahead, Esther. Hi. David, thank you so much for going over all that stuff. Um, it, it, it just um, is opening a world for me. Um, especially the, the comments somehow came up, the, um, the, the, the decision to, to, um, to choose, not to choose the belief in, in the ego, somehow you, you explained it in a way that about with forgiveness and everything, but I, I, I wake up in the morning and sometimes during the day I, I have paranoid thoughts and, um, I really needed this. Um, and when you say that it's not real, I mean, the way you described how it's not real is very helpful What's my question? I don't know. I'm, I'm just, um, like, can I just take specifics, David, about something that's going on now? Well, I think the, the thing that will help the most, Esther, because you actually, you were the one who, who actually poured out that, that you wanted some clarity on cause and effect, because it was, you're, you were a little foggy. And so I think the best thing for you to do, because I, I feel your sincerity, you really want to get to the bottom of this. You know, you really want to get to the core. 
I, I feel that from you. I would actually do what I shared. I would, uh, I would Google David Hoffmeister reversing cause and effect. I would get a hold of that, that audio, and I would get a hold of the, the transcript and print that out. And the thing about it is, that's going to be your answer, because I, I, I use lots of examples. I, it's so deep that I give example, and then I give another example, and another one, and another one. And I feel like that, that would probably be the best use of time for you to, to start to first uh, take in those examples. And like do it to rinse your mind, like really give yourself over to that as a... Because I know you really go after something. When you want something, when you get, want to get to the bottom of it, you are, are very tenacious with that. And so I know when I give this homework, if anybody will do the homework, you will do the homework. And, and just give yourself over. And once you've kind of played that, replayed that, gone through all those examples, then let's come together again, because that will even make the time more valuable, because you'll have really worked with some of those examples, and then maybe you find something that's very resistant to the change, and then let's, let's do that. So that's, I, I think the best thing is just to go for that homework right now. Okay. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay, next is Judith. Go ahead, Judith. Yeah, I... This is the first time that I've shared here, and it feels really pressing for me to, uh, to share. Uh, when this first retreat first started to, you know, when it was announced... Uh, at that time, I was a resident at La Casa, and I, so I was going to, you know, make up a post about stepping into magnitude. And then I had a, was it, well, I was sitting there and praying the image of my seven-year-old uh, came up, and it was my first communion. Hmm. And the nun who I was so in love with, had said how amazing it was that Mary had said yes, had said yes. And she went on a little bit, and my whole heart just opened up, and I said, I want to do that too. I want to say yes to Jesus. And then I think it was maybe three weeks ago, David, when you came to the community, I don't even know what I spoke but my heart was like so full. And previously in my journaling, I had been, you know, writing to Jesus, please use me. You know, I want to be, I want you to be completely extended through me. And then all of a sudden, I was uh, captured by the, this phrase, be uncompromising. And I spoke to Jason about it. I said, I don't even know what that is, but it's so important to me. And then um, it was somehow I was finding myself, you know, moving out of the community. And Emily was linked with me and holding me. And I didn't know what, 
what was up and what was down. It was so fast. And um, for four days, all that happened in my mind was light. I found a place and it was just light. But then the, the ego started in. And, um, you know, it was so strong that I had trouble. And um, I met Jenny at a, a book thing, and Jenny asked if I was okay. And I said, I need function. And within 24 hours, Jeff had given me the file. This need not be. Mm. And, you know, I just poured over that transcript transcription it was two seconds at a time and then I lost it my computer crashed and then it came back on and I got it to five seconds so I could but what was happening was I had been uh, you know the Holy Spirit was holding me (laughs) and then night before last I had perhaps my last attack and I, I heard from this need not be, how many opportunities have you had to choose gladness and refuse them? And that just cut through the darkness and all of this light just opened up in my mind again. And I just wanted to share the process was, was mostly just trusting and And any image that came up, any thought of shame or I made a mistake or what did I speak and how did I get here and this must be wrong. And they just had to fall away. They just, and then today's today's talk, uh, I just feel like you're, it's just so beautiful. Thank you. Oh, thank you. you. We feel it, yeah. Yeah, I don't know where it's going, but I had to go through this. Yeah. It became clear that this was part of the script for me, and there is no mistake. Yeah, thank you. That's the witness. Because what you're describing is, is a very, very internal process that... Uh, where you face the darkness and then you pray and you're given a line like are you aware of all those opportunities where you had to gladden yourself and then suddenly you break through again and that's just a beautiful witness that the light is there that you're in that tractor beam now even if it seems to wobble here or there you are in the beam and that light is there with you and then we we just trust you know, we can't try to figure anything out in form. That's where it gets crazy when we start to look at the form as if we're looking in a darkened glass and trying to figure out something. Uh, th- then we just need to pull our attention back into, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. You know, what what do you have for me now? What do you have for me now? And just just stay with that. 
but you're just so loved and, and beautiful, so transparent for everyone. You're offering a huge gift for everyone just by sharing and witnessing this to everyone. So, thank you. I'm glad the talk today poured through. <laughs> yeah, like you keep saying, that one mind. Okay, I hear the, the sounds of Mexico, so let me sign off. <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. The next hand is uh, Christy. Go ahead, Christy. Hi, David. Hi, everybody. So, David, I was hoping that I had a coherent question, and I may not, but essentially I'm, I feel as if the four, I, I'm very aware of, of a split mind, and I feel the force of personality that I've developed in the false sense very strongly. I, I just, it's part of the cultural conditioning, familial conditioning, everything we've been talking about, like being financially responsible. Um, and I identify with being a people pleaser and a good girl and having a good career and let's have savings and let's have investments and um, let's do the, the right thing. Um, and I have spent years, I'm 50 now, really developing this force of personality. I spent years immersed in self-help, self-improvement, um, even trained as a life coach. I'm actually a lawyer. And that whole persona of, of, the, of the being a lawyer um, has had me immersed for 20 plus years in this model of attack, defend. You have to get justice. Somebody's wronged you. And so what's developed in my false self, the little self, is this real dependence and attachment to my identity as logical, competitive. I'm a great problem solver. Um, I can be righteously angry for my clients. And so what's happening now is I can feel spirit pulling me towards truth. And I... I'm acutely aware of the split mind, and I think my question is, and I may already know the answer because I follow I follow your teachings and, and obviously the course closely, at least intellectually I grasp that this is going to be a slow unwinding. But my question is, how do I navigate being in the world, as Jesus would say, but not of the world, without feeling somewhat um, crazy or irresponsible. Like I'm still, I'm still at a point in my life where I have to, um, or I perceive that I have to practice law, create savings, be responsible, take care of my health. When I'm on these retreats, I feel like, woohoo, I'll just throw it, throw all my cares up to the wind. But then as, as one of our colleagues said, then there's maybe this ego whiplash that comes in. So how, how do you navigate this process is without feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm um, not being responsible in the dream world. I don't know if, if that's making sense. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I would say, well, the first thing to keep in mind is that that um, 
Like, for example, if, if people follow along the workbook lessons starting on January 1st, today's lesson is, you know, there is another way of looking at this world. And, and what that means is there's another interpretation. So basically, you can just say, just what you just said, here's, you laid it all out. You just laid it all. Here's where I am. I'm aware of the split. It does feel chaotic to go through this game and play this game. There's a part of me that's like saying, what are you doing? And then another part that's saying, I'm being responsible. I'm, I'm doing what I, what I need to be doing. And those two parts uh, are not in agreement. Um, you know, one is like justified in doing what it's doing. And the other part's saying, are you crazy? Why, why are you doing this? Uh, so you're aware of that split. And then there's going to be, I would say, gradual reinterpretations. You'll have these miracles, you'll have these insights that will kind of flash through your mind that will loosen you from that responsible person kind of... There's a lot of false causation in taking care of the self and, you know, it, it's instead of like being dependent on the world or government or anything, you've taken that independent part and you've kind of mastered that. And yet it's not true mastery, it's, it's still mastery through fear, because there's still false cause and effect relationships that's, that's into that. So it'll be a gradual dismantling, a gradual sense of, of reinterpreting the world is what the Spirit's going to do with you. And what that will be, will be taking those same skills and abilities that you worked very hard to develop and the Spirit will say, let's repurpose them. Instead of for personal gain, personal success, personal achievement, personal advancement, Jesus is going to come swooping in and say, those are fine, those skills I can use, but it's going to be for the whole, for the whole universe. Uh, we'll take those same skills and abilities and we're going to use them to free everybody, to set all the captives free. So you see, there's no loss in that, it's just a repurposing. You're just giving those skills and abilities over. And that's what I had to do too. I had to give all my skills, all my abilities. In the end, even if I owned something, I'd say, here, you, you take it, Jesus. You, you do much better with it than I did. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's gradual. Because there's too much fear involved. If anything would, would be threatened with being ripped away, there would be too much. It would increase the fear in the mind. And so there has to be a gradual sense of repurposing. Now, one of the best ways to repurpose is through contrast. Like, some of you know of, um, like, you know, some of high schools have these student exchange programs where they, where students from different countries and different cultures they swap. They swap families. And that's an amazing mind-expanding experience when, when a student is swapped into a different culture. Because they, they're almost like they're on a different planet. You know, they're like, what? You, you do these things here? They're almost surprised at that. And I think that happens on the spiritual journey. Like, I was traveling around like Peace Pilgrim all around the United States and Canada for, for many, many years. And then in 2003, Jesus said, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to start swapping you out into different countries. And I'm like, what? 
And then before I knew it, I'm going to Argentina, uh, Buenos Aires, and uh, I don't speak Spanish, and I don't even know anything about the Argentinian culture, and I got inserted down there for like two weeks down there to be truly helpful, and I was like a fish out of water. I, I had to totally let go all my skills and abilities based on my cultural mindset were, were loosened. And so I, I think that you can be just open to maybe in your prayers, like, okay, Jesus, maybe let me have a little bit of adventure in here. Throw me, take me to some cultures where my mindset, which seems so fixed, so, so determined, like I, I know, like I, you got a real good handle on it right here where you are now. But once we allow ourselves to be put into some expansive uh, adventures and situations, the Spirit can really show us how we could even be of much greater use with our skills and abilities because we realize we, we become more humble, we become more curious, we become more open-minded when we have these contrast experiences. And that's going to be the best way for you to speed up your spiritual journey, to have some contrast experiences where you're just praying, show me, show me spirit, lead the way. And then little by little, gradually, you'll start to have contrast experiences and you'll start to be repurposed in, in a very uh, glorious way. So it's, it's coming, it's all coming. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, next is Sylvia. Go ahead, Sylvia. Thank you. Um, this afternoon, um, I could see myself being pulled in... Um, earlier I called it um, a blind spot, but it's not, not, not so much as a blind spot. It's, it's kind of a... Pavlov system that I uh, developed since I'm 53 now and I developed it from my age of 11 so it's a it's a really strong when I hear um, a clock ticking or and I shared this many times before in Holland but I I think I need a prayer or something if I hear a clock ticking if I hear my the heating go, you know, the, the repetitive sounds. I go so crazy in my head and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, not trying, yes, I'm trying to give over. But I can see the ego is so strong, I just want to run away. But I cannot run away. I don't want to run away. Um, I wonder if you can help me make make some kind of prayer to Jesus because I don't know how to how to um, how to jump. How to? It looks like I'm talking to Jeff, but I. <laughs> I'm seeing Jeff. I want to see David. Can you please put David on my screen? <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I love you. <laughs> the background is great, but 
No. Yeah, we can talk about that because I feel that if you really see there's a repetitive sound and then you start to feel like a craziness, a craziness or a chaos, something coming in, it's because the sound is is a reminder of something and and what you're describing is not uncommon. I know people that that they don't want to hear their heartbeats. Uh, if if um, if they become congested and maybe their ears are blocked or their sinuses and and suddenly boom 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 they hear this heartbeat they get very frightened because uh, it's it's like a symbol of mortality it's a it's a symbol of of limitation even a heartbeat can go out and and so it's a symbol of vulnerability uh, like like there's only so much time with that heart that heart only beats so many beats and then it it goes out just like the stars the stars and the sun are gases they only have so much gas and then they they burn out they come to an end uh, and even that with time if people are in a waiting room and there's one of those clocks on the wall that's a battery operated one that's and you hear tick 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 you know it can be the same kind of feeling so I think Sylvia what's happening is there's an association in the mind where where that sound that repetitive kind of sound is tied in with a vulnerability and all vulnerabilities are tied into fear there's a fear underneath all vulnerabilities and I know in my own life when I've had that happen I've I've prayed to the Holy Spirit sometime and and I've said show me put me in some kind of a situation to bring it into my awareness where I can start to get even more in touch with that vulnerability because I have to be taken through it I I I can't uh, continue to push it away. I can't continue to be frightened by it and try to guard myself from these sounds. I need, I need to be pulled through it. Be with me, and that's really the prayer right there: is be with me through this, carry me through this, take me through this association. It's just an association I have in my mind that's scaring me. It's not, it's not the form of things. It's just that association. And, and I do feel like that's what we're very joined in, is that, uh, that just like Judith was sharing uh, uh, on the screen, how she went through this experience where she just moved out of community and then she faced these feelings, uh, this dark thoughts that would come, and then she just faced it and faced it and stayed with it and took what was given, that this need not be transcript, and whatever came to her, she just said, okay, this is given from God. I'm just going to use what's put in front of me as, as the means to carry me through these fears, this darkness. And so we're all with you in that. We, as long as you just understand the context of it, it's not the, it's not the sounds that are frightening you, it's, it's the, what's associated with it in the mind. So you're in our prayers with that. I, I really feel God will show you directly what to do the next time that happens. Yeah, thank you.
next is Leslie. Go ahead, Leslie. Hi. Uh, I pressed the hand button thinking that maybe we're gonna run out of time, but happily we did not, so I have a chance to speak. Uh, speaking about facing the fears, I had an enormous fear of facing this uh, you, David. I went to a retreat last year and uh, deep down I wanted nothing but to talk to you and I could not approach you. I, the ego kept making excuses like the heck with him. What he got, I got. I just need to uncover this. But this retreat is very, very helpful in me facing that fear. And I'm very grateful for it. Um, I feel the support. And I need a support. I need a lot of support. Somehow, I don't know, I... Um, I he had this very addictive personality and I kind of see it now it's working towards my advantage in a silly way because I need I know that I have to put everything on a line that practicing a course is not going to be a part-time job that I need to move out of the relationships that are not supporting this and I need to start playing little. Somehow before the course, a couple of years before I pick up the course and I haven't been studying all that long, I had this thought in my mind that I could see Jesus on my street where I live. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, gently follow me. And I had this chance to follow him, but I have to move from here. I have to stop playing little because ego loves familiar. And I know in, in my attempts to stay where I am, I'm just covering over a concepts that I don't want to expose, like my dependence upon my husband's credit card that needs to be exposed and released. And I'm very, very grateful for your support and most of all for a chance to um, expose my fear of facing you, David. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Thank you so much. I do remember when when you came to see me, you, we communicated a bit, but it took a lot of effort to even come and travel that distance. And uh, I just thank you for your willingness to really look at this. And, and what you just shared really is for all of us, that, that when, if there are people in, in our lives, in our dreamscape we'll call it, that are representations of our doubt, uh, we need to be, be done with that. Um, it's not that that 
people, some people are good for us or bad for us, but people are thoughts and people represent uh, what we value and what we wish. And as we are drawn into deeper experience of our vastness, of our magnitude, we will see that the dream is even reconfigured to reflect that sense of, of expansiveness and freedom, your skills and abilities used in very broad, expansive ways that bless the whole universe, uh, not just a personal uh, self. And how beautiful too, just exposing this, this feeling of this dependency on your husband's credit card, how beautiful. That's the first step in releasing it, is you've just publicly exposed it and, and said, I'm, I'm through with this. I, I am a child of God and I have a very important part to play in this plan of awakening. And, and God is my provider. And the Holy Spirit will give me everything that will lead me and, and, and help me expand and express this beautiful love towards everyone. So you're a beautiful witness here as we're getting to the end of the session of just very sincerely saying, I'm worth it. I, I'm ready to take my part in this uh, great plan of awakening and I am going to open up to my magnitude. I will not be held back by littleness anymore. I will break away, break free from those things. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that for all of us. Beautiful. Okay, next hand is um, Kenneth Price. Go ahead, Kenneth. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, can, every, can you hear me all right? Yes, loud and clear. Fantastic. David, I just have so many thanks because all day long I've, I've got this um, uh, iPhone and this, this Bluetooth that I put in my ear. And, and your teachings um, are just, uh, I listen to your teachings every day while I work. And as if you've noticed, I'm, I'm painting this morning and I'm, I'm on this, this um, retreat conference call. Because your story is so similar to mine, you know, 10 years of university, that's my story. You know, very smart, very educated. And, and this, this is, is no less of an uneducation. <laughs> I, I, I just uneducate all, it, it's, it's exactly the metaphor that you've, you've shared that the, the, the ship is, is going in one direction and then all of a sudden you have to reverse engines. It's gonna take a while for that ship to come to a complete halt. And, and the, the, the resources, the books, um, but lately it's just been the YouTube videos, are my resource to, to reverse. You know, I, I've been a member of 12-step uh, programs for uh, all of my adult life. And, and, and I have called this community the 12 steps on steroids. Um, you know, and, and I, I really, uh, I want to keep my, I call this a share. You can tell I've, I've got the, the vernacular of 12-step programs. But I want to keep this share rather concise and to the point. Because everyone else is sharing my story for me. And, and, and so just, just in a synopsis nutshell, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Thank you, Kenneth. 
Wonderful. Okay, guys, you're all on steroids for God. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, everybody relates to that. We we love being of service, and uh, and, I'm, and sometimes it does feel intense <laughs> like that. But we we pour our hearts into it, and we do it because of of you, of those like you that are calling forth and saying, "Thank you. This is helping me keep up the keep up the good work." And of course, it's for ourselves. That's ideas are strengthened as they're given away. So you're just giving us great opportunities to strengthen the kingdom of heaven in our own mind. Thank you. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> well, Jeff, we might have room for one more question, I think. We're almost to the 12 o'clock mark down here in Mexico. Okay. Go ahead, Tamara. Hi. <laughs> Oh, so good to see you. Ah, I was kind of hoping my heart would stop beating by the time I got on. <laughs> um, yeah, I just felt really inspired to share because of everybody else's shares about some real miracles that started out as some real darkness. Um, I was guided to live in my car back in July and <laughs> at first it seemed a little crazy but I'm such a gypsy that it didn't seem like that big of a leap and so I ended up spirit gave me my my dream car a RAV4 SUV and I actually started living in it in August and Thankfully, because I had done so much unwinding before I moved to Living Miracles, I didn't have much stuff, so everything I own can fit in the back of the car. And um, I loved it immediately. Like, I just fell in love with it. I could go anywhere I want. I had such great views <laughs> because my house has a lot of windows. And um, But what I really wanted to share about is the darkness that came up so, so deep. And I was for about two and a half months or three months, I was crying every single day. There's so much unworthiness coming up and then all of this evidence that something had gone wrong. And I was even getting reflections when I would tell people that, of like, what went wrong? <laughs> what went wrong in your life that you're living in your car? And, and then I was guided to get a job as a waitress and, that brought in a lot of unworthiness and and yet there was this deeper trust inside that because I check in before everything and I usually check in three or four times like this is really what you want me to do and I kept hearing yep this is it and so when I would pray I would hear you don't have anything to prove you are completely lovable <sighs> And it's not based on anything or the way that your life looks or anything. And so that just kept coming in stronger and stronger. And then I was given the opportunity at Brian and Alexandra's class one night in Marin County to expose all this darkness. And, and then very shortly after that, 
Um, I had I had met Donna at Brian and Alexander's, or I knew Donna, but I I didn't re even realize she was living in Marin County where I was at, and she had had a prayer to have gatherings at her house or to have, you know, more mighties around, and here I was right in the area living in my car, and she had a bed, <laughs> and so then that started to come in, and I was spending more and more. I'm at her house right now, actually. I'm in my room. She's in the living room, but. And so I've been, and so then the guidance to do some expression session gatherings came in and then the guidance to do some other gatherings on Saturday afternoons came in and now it looks like I'm going to be traveling with Eric. And just really stepping into this magnitude and, and but I just, I think it's so important to to realize that you know when we take those big leaps that that doubt and that and all of those old beliefs are going to come up and and it's kind of what you have to go through <laughs> but there's so many mighties you know spirit sent me so many hands to hold and yeah it's just been unbelievable i hardly ever sleep in my car anymore i've been getting a lot of jobs for this dog sitting house sitting company i get to stay in these beautiful houses and get paid which i always have to pinch myself i'm just like come on you know like really this is how much i loved so it's just been such a beautiful journey of just trust and more trust and more trust but yeah having to get very uncomfortable sometimes to let all that stuff come up has just seemed to be a very important part of this journey. And I'm just so grateful for this weekend. I mean, I've spent my whole life in comparison and jealousy thoughts and those seem to be lifting as I'm stepping more into function and being used and, and then just watching others around me get to have their prayers of their hearts come true because I'm following my prompts and, yeah, I just had to share that. Thank you, David. I love you so much. I love every miracle so much. So grateful. Thank you, Tamara. It's great. We love the witnesses like that because that, for me, that was a lot of my early life going around in my little three-cylinder car and and everything. And uh, and now it's like we're talking about this moment is your miracle and books and everything. But we it we get it all. It's all mind expanding. It's all just to trust. And uh, it's interesting how Jesus says, you know, you keep asking uh, who you are, and, and yet uh, who, you already know the answer, but you keep asking in perception who you are, and, and he's like, but you're not in perception. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just like a, a, a Rubik's Cube that goes round and round and round and round, and it's all a surrender mechanism, you know. To, to just like you said, you are loved beyond anything that's happening or doesn't happen or anything in all of perception. Uh, you, you are loved beyond it all. And it's just, we're just learning to really let that in. You know, really accept our magnitude is just saying, by golly, I think that's true. I'm gonna, gonna fully accept that. And instead of trying to question who I am, uh, to shine and to share and extend and radiate who I am. And uh, so I think that's what you're stepping into. And, and with you and Eric traveling and all the, we have our uh, awakening to love, I think Deanna's hoping that you'll 
stop by and, and be part of that and it's just going to come and come and come as you say, here I am, uh, use me, let me shine my light, then you, you start to realize you don't even have to be concerned about the rest. The rest is just added, given to you in, in such an effortless way. So thank you for sharing that because uh, for a lot of you watching this, there, there's Tamara, you can see her smiling and shining and and uh, exposing and that's uh, that's what a mighty companion does and in accepting their truth. So thank you, we love you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you all, what a wonderful time we have sharing here, sharing the magnitude. I feel it and I see it in your faces that you feel it too. So it's like, yes, we are, this is our victory experience as we go in this direction. We're heading towards the vastness. So stay tuned. Coming up in a little while is our Master of Movies, Jason. I have no idea what he's going to show today, but you guys are going to have a good time. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> love you. Love you, love you, love you. Beautiful.